Welcome back everyone. I hope you enjoyed your Labor Day weekend and had a good week this past week. I took my kids on a long awaited vacation. We had a great time. Now we're back refreshed and ready to go. So appreciate you guys waiting it out last week for me. But man, am I excited to talk about this week's episode with Andrew Jones having his number retired. I figured what better time than to continue our series of the Braves Rich History and this episode we'll be talking about the Braves rich history of center field and I cannot wait to get started because there's a lot of fun names that maybe you forgot about and how good they were when they were with the Braves. A lot of times players get overshadowed when there's greats like Andrew Jones and we're going to talk about a lot of them. I'm ready to get started and I hope you are too. Let's go. Alright, so with a player like Andrew Jones who deservedly gets most of the attention when we look at center field for the Atlanta Braves, and especially with his number getting retired, sometimes it's easy to forget some of the other players. Kind of like with Chipper Jones, sometimes a lot of times players like Eddie Murphy may not get the recognition they deserve due to recency bias or things like that. So we're obviously going to talk about Andrew Jones because he deserves all the love that he can get being we've done an episode on him already so I'm not spoiling anything by saying by terms of uh, defensive wins above replacement he's the best defensive outfielder of all time not to mention he had a, a offensive stretch that was out of this world but there's other players too we can talk about and so let's take today's episode and really dig into this rich history at the Atlanta Braves you know them being the oldest franchise in Major League Baseball history they have a a long history of really good players that played center field for them and so I want to take this episode and really highlight some of the accolades and some of the great players that played center field for the Atlanta Braves. All right the first player I want to talk about is one that I'm surprised that not many people talk about and it might be because he only had an 11-year career, uh, eight of which he played for the Boston Braves. But Wally Berger had one of the best stretches for the Atlanta Braves franchise history. He played for them for 1,057 games, and within that time, he accumulated 36.7 wins above replacement. And to put that in perspective... That's 18th all-time wearing a Braves uniform. Now, that is not his career total wins above replacement. That's his wins above replacement while wearing a Braves uniform. For example, Greg Maddox only had 67.3 wins above replacement in a Braves uniform, but we know that he had far more wins above replacement than that. Either way, Wally Berger had one of the best stretches in Major League Baseball history during that time with the Braves. In fact... He averaged 5.62 wins above replacement per 162 games played for his eight-year stretch with the Braves. To put that in perspective, Austin Riley this year currently has a 4.9 wins above replacement and had a 6.5 last year with his excellent year. So just kind of put that perspective. And also to put him against another player that we'll talk about later is Dale Murphy. Dale Murphy's best seven-year peak was a 41.2 wins above replacement in seven years. For Wally Berger, 
He was not too far behind at 36.0 wins over replacement in the best seven-year peak. In fact, as far as center fielders go, even in his entire career only playing 11 years, he's 40th all-time in wins above replacement. And so that just kind of goes to show you during that stretch how good he was. Now let's talk about some actual numbers besides just wins above replacement. He was a four-time All-Star for the Braves in 1933 through 1936. He did garner MVP votes in five separate years for the Braves. The close, that was from 1932 through 1936. The closest he came to winning it was in 1933 when he came in third place. And this year, he had an insanely good year with an OPS plus of 172, meaning 72% above league average that year. For reference, Ronald Acuna has a 164 this year, and Matt Olson has a 162 this year. So he had a better offensive year, just with a bat, of course. This isn't factoring in stolen bases, but he had a better year with the bat that year than Matt Olson or Ronald Acuna is having this year in comparison to the rest of the league. In his eight years for the Braves, he played 1,057 games in which he had a 304 batting average, 362 on base percentage, a 533 slugging percentage, which was good for a 141 OPS plus, 41% above league average across that eight-year stretch. Really, really impressive stuff. He even made... It passed the first, well, unfortunately, with his short career, he didn't do as hot in the Hall of Fame voting as he probably should have, uh, especially considering some of the other guys that made it in. But he wasn't a Hall of Fame player, of course. But it was interesting to see that he did get on the ballot twice with 0.5% and 0.8% of the vote. Of course, the way that the Hall of Fame voting back then was way different than it is now, but it still was interesting to see. Now, I will say this, he did not, even with his crazy 6.9 wins above replacement season in 1933, he still was fourth in the National League in wins above replacement. So back then, in the 30s, the the league was pretty top-heavy when it came to performances. But that's okay. He still had a really good season, and it's really shocking that as much as people talk about Dale Murphy that they don't really talk about Wally Berger because his career uh, eight-year stretch was fairly similar to Dale Murphy's. We won't take too deep into Hank Aaron because he wasn't truly a center fielder, but in 1961, he did play the most games for the Braves in the center field with 83 games in the season in which he had 9.4 wins above replacement. He also played 83 games uh, in 1962, in a year in which he had 8.5 wins of replacement. So, you know, we know the rich history of Hank Aaron and, and his legacy, but we've done a whole episode on him, and it's not tr- really true to say that he was there, a center fielder uh, because he only played about half of his games there those two seasons. But I did want to point it out. Another center fielder that has gone largely unnoticed or largely untalked about is Mac Jones from 1965 to 1967, a three-year stretch in which he hit 260, 334, 472. That's an OPS plus of 125, and he had 10.8 wins above replacement over that three-year stretch. 
in which he played 401 games. Of course, that's not elite by any means, but it's still a guy that contributed a lot to the team during those three years. He didn't win any awards or anything like that, so that might be why people don't really talk about him, but he definitely played at an all-star level for those three years for the Atlanta Braves, and I just wanted to give a shout-out to him because he was a solid contributor for the Braves during those three years. Of course, he was there in the last year when they were in Milwaukee, and then was there when they moved to Atlanta in 1966. He was also born in Atlanta, Georgia, so he was definitely one of those hometown-born or homegrown players that played for the Atlanta Braves. So back then, in in the mid-60s, I'm sure fans really enjoyed watching him play, but I mean, I'm not old enough to remember him, but it is interesting that he's not talked about more. Then we have Felipe Lu. He was had a really up and down time with the Atlanta Braves. He played for them from 1966 to 1969. He did play center field for them all four of those years, at least a little bit, but only two of the years was he the main starter in center field, and that was in 1968 and 1969, right after Jones did. So that's why, um, you know, he only had 31 games in center field in 66, and he only had 25 games in center field in 65, but he did play center field as the main starter after he took over for Jones in center field in 68 and 69. But during his time, with the Braves, he did have a 302 batting average, 343 on base percentage, a 439 slugging percentage, which ended up being a, an OPS plus of 122 over those four years. A total of 577 games. He was an all star in two of those years. He got MVP votes in two of those years. Both of those years were 66 and 68. He played a ton. He led the league in played appearances and at-bats in 1968. He also led the league in hits in 1968. The same thing can be said in 1966 where he led the league in at-bats with 666, 666, and he led the league in runs and hits. Of course, he did not have a ton of power except in 1966 and 1968 for the Braves. The other two years, 67 and 69, were really down years for him. It was up and down with him. But in those two years in which he was an all-star and had MVP votes, he was awesome. In 1966, he led the league in total bases. He had an OPS plus of 142. And in 1968, he had a 140 OPS plus. He also played for the Milwaukee Braves in 64 and 65. He did not have the best years during those years. Uh, He was good in 1965 in which he had a 128 OPS plus and a 96 OPS plus in 64. Over his entire time in the Braves organization from 64 to 69, his average drops a bit. His overall slash line drops to 269, 338, 440 slugging, which is an OPS of 778 and an OPS plus of 120. 
Of course, he was not playing center field uh, that much in those seasons, but he did have some time in center field every year. He played every outfield position. He played all over the diamond. In fact, in 1965, he played the positions of 3, 7, 8, 9, 5, and 6. So that's pretty much everything except for catcher and pitcher. So he was a he was an he was a utility player, but there was a few seasons in which he played the majority of time, his time in center field. As far as wins above replacement go, in his time with in the Braves organization, he played a total of 841 games and had 22.0 wins above replacement. So he was a very very good player. He had ups and down years, but his good years were very very good. He only ended up making one all-star selection outside of his time with the Braves, and that was when he was with the Giants in 1962. And he did not make it past the first ballot of the Hall of Fame in 1980, in which he got 0.8% of the, of the vote. But, again, he was an all-star three times. He was very good. He even won Manager of the Year in 1994, in case you're wondering about that. His best year, which was 1968, he was 7th in the league in wins above replacement. He had three seasons in the top position players for wins above replacement. In 1962 with the Giants when he was an All-Star, he was 10th. In 1966 when he was an All-Star, he was 8th. And in 1968 when he was 7th overall in war, he was 4th for position players. In those 1968 and 1966 seasons, he was in fourth place in the league in doubles. So he was a doubles machine. And he was actually eighth in the league in home runs with 31 in 1966. Overall, he had a career wins above replacement of 42.2. He had a seven year peak of 33.8 wins above replacement, a jaw score of 38.0. That ranks him. 46th all-time for right fielders because that's where he played most of his time. But he did have those two years in which he was the main starter in center field for the Braves, and that's why I want to talk about him just simply because he's not talked about enough. Next down the line is Dale Murphy. He's definitely a controversial talk about when you talk about the Hall of Fame and things like that. We have an episode early on. I believe it was season one that we talked about Dale Murphy. So please go back to the original Braves dugout feed and listen to that episode if you want to hear a deep dive about Dale Murphy and whether he should be Hall of Fame and whatnot. But we're going to talk about him because he did spend a significant amount of time as a center fielder for the Atlanta Braves. And he's a Braves legend for good reason. From 1980 until 1989, he was probably the most, well, not probably, he was the most used center fielder for the Braves. Now, in 1987 and 1988, he did not play center field, but he did play it again in 1989, in which he had 82 games. But up to 1986, he was their main center fielder from 1980 to 1986 he was their main center fielder and that was really when he had his best stretch was during that time of course most people remember Dale Murphy as a brave but he did play for the Phillies from 1990 through 1992 and the Rockies in 1993 but he did play for the Braves from 1976 
all the way through halfway through 1990 before he got traded to the Phillies. And during that time, he was very, very good. He had a batting average of 268, on base percentage of 351, and slugging percentage of 478, with an OPS of 829, which was equivalent to an OPS plus of 125. So that's 25% above league average. Of course, this is not, that 125 is good, it's not elite by any means, which is one of the reasons why he didn't really garner a lot of Hall of Fame votes. Of course, back then they weren't looking at OPS Plus, that wasn't a stat back then, but they were looking at his overall slash line, with, and voters really back then loved batting average, and his batting average overall for his entire career was pretty low. Now, it was very, very good for that six-year stretch in which he killed it for the Braves. But outside of that, outside of that six-year stretch where he was an MVP twice and all of that, from 1980 until 1987 was really his best time frame. He was an all-star seven of those times during those years from 80 to 87. He got MVP votes in seven of those eight years. He won five gold gloves, four silver sluggers, but he's really an enigma because during that, during his peak, he was awesome. Outside of his peak, he was terrible. And I think that that's what really hurt him in Hall of Fame voting. He was on the ballot for all 15 years that he could. Now you can only be on the ballot for 10 years. Back then, you could be on the ballot for 15. And he averaged around 18 to 22% on the ballot every year. It, he hardly ever went up or down. It was always 18 to 22% on the ballot every single year all the way through and he didn't make it when they put him up on the veterans ballot either but uh during this awesome stretch from 1980 to 1987 his ops jumps up to 140 his batting average is 285 obt obp of 374 slugging of 517 ops of 891 that type of in just eight years he played 653 games in which he had 206 doubles and 264 home runs. So in that short period of time, during his peak, he was elite. And that's why fans remember him so fondly. Is because during that time, he was one of the best players in the league. It's just he fell off so hard. It's unfortunate, it really is. Because if he would have kept that up for his career, he would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. No questions asked. But if you look outside of it, but before 1980 season, from 1976 to 1979, you look back at his slash line, and his OPS plus is a 95. That's 5% below league average. If you look at his slash line after that awesome stretch that he had from 1988 for the till the rest of his career in 1993, he had an OPS plus of 96. So as you can see, but that's 4% below average. And then, so before 1980, from 76 to 79, he was below average offensively. And from 1980 to 1993, he was below average offensively. So for half of his career, he was below average offensively. And that really is what hurt him. He, for that, his peak was very high, but but his valley was very low. But that does not take away of how awesome he is. He was. He's a great human being. He deserves to be in the Atlanta Braves Hall of Fame, no doubt about it. If you're if you're wondering about his war, we can talk about that too. 
from that streak from 1980 until 1987 when he was getting all of his accolades. He had 42.4 wins above replacement in that peak. But his career wins above replacement was 46.5. So for 8 out of his 18 years, he garnered 42.4 of his 46.5 wins above replacement. So as you can see, those 10 years that he was not absolutely wrecking the league really, really hurt his overall numbers. And I think that's one of the reasons why he did not make the Hall of Fame. He's also, if you look at his jaw scores and everything like that, we can break that. We broke that down already, so we're not going to, but it, he's just not there. Um, it's very unfortunate because his his eight-year period was awesome. Like I said, MVP votes in seven of the eight years, four silver sluggers, five gold gloves, two MVPs, seven all-star selections, all within an eight-year period. He absolutely killed it for those eight years. Absolutely. He was on a Matt Olson, Ronald Acuna-type level almost. Of course, his best season was his 1983 MVP season in which he led the league in offensive wins above replacement. He was the best offensive player in 1983. And... If you for his slash line, just if you're wondering, he led the league in slugging and OPS with a 9.33. He had an OPS plus of 149. What's really interesting about that time frame? He led also led the league in RBI. He had 36 home runs. What's really interesting about that season is he led the league in slugging and OPS. Yet his OPS plus was a 149, which means that the offense was much more spread out across the league. It wasn't very top-heavy. If you have a guy that's only, I say only, 49% above league average is exceptional. But in today's world, most guys that are the best hitters in Major League Baseball, their OPS plus is up in the 150s, 160s. For example, Ronald Acuna and Matt Olson this year's OPS plus are both in in the 160s and they don't have the highest OPS plus in the league. You know, Shohei Otani is is higher and Mookie Betts is right up there with him too. Dale Murphy always also won the 1985 Lou Gehrig Memorial Award and he won the 1988 Roberto Clemente Award. Of course, those are not really playing awards. That's more so of his showing his character, which he obviously had good character he did also win six monthly awards four weekly awards he was in the home run derby in 1985 he had four seasons in the top 10 and wins above replacement he's 243rd all time in wins above replacement he was he had five seasons in which he was in the top 10 position players four overall including pitchers and he was in the top 10 in batting average twice, five times. He was in the top 10 on, on base percentage. He was he had six seasons in the, uh, as a, in the top 10 in slugging percentage, two of which he was in first place, and that was in 83 and 84. He, played, he was a workhorse. He has seven seasons in the top 10 games played. From 82 to 85, he played all 162 games. 
He led the league in plate appearances in 1985 and had seven seasons in which he was in the top ten. He scored runs all the time. He was first in the league in 1985 and he had six seasons in the top ten. I say all the time, I'm talking about this in this eight-year peak. That eight-year peak was excellent. Outside of that, not, but during that that time, he did have nine seasons in the top ten of home runs, so, so there was a few seasons outside of that uh, 80s, well, it was in, in that eight-year peak I was talking about, but in the 1988, he did have 24 home runs, which put, placed him ninth. All right, I'm going to take a little break, and then we'll jump into a few more center fielders. All right, let's talk about Andrew Jones. We knew it was coming. Of course it was. He's the most well-known center fielder in Braves history uh, outside of Dale Murphy and very topical considering he just had his number retired. But did you know that out of 17 years, he only played 12 years in Atlanta? I'm sure hardcore Braves fans knew that, but I just wanted to point that out. But let's look at his numbers while just in Atlanta. In those 12 years, he had 1,761 games. He had a slash line of 263, 342, 497, which is an OPS plus of 114. Of course, this is 14% better in league average, so that does not mean it's insanely good, but it still is decently over average. He did have a stretch of 780 games, where his OPS plus was 124 and of course that was during that time when he had 51 home runs in a single season and until Matt Olson tied him was the leader franchise history leader in home runs in a single season he had 192 home runs during that time this 780 game period was from 2002 to 2006 he was a five-time all-star 10-time gold glove winner he won silver slugger one year and he won Major League Player of the Year from TSN. Of course, that's not MVP. He did get MVP votes in five different seasons. He came in second place in 2005 when he hit those 51 home runs and led the league in RBI. And he did garner down votes in four other seasons outside of that one. He came in fifth place voting in Rookie of the Year in 1997. You've heard me talk about how gold gloves, for the most part, were a joke. But in Andrew Jones' case, in most of his seasons, they definitely were not. What's really impressive is, as we know, his defense. But if we look at defensive wins above replacement, no outfielder is even close to him. He had four seasons in which he led the league in defensive war, and nine in which he was in the top ten. Defensive war is a counting stat, not like batting average, right? So you have to be on the field to earn it. He has a career defensive war of 24.4, which ranks him 22nd all-time among all baseball players ever. But, as some of us know, and if you didn't know, outfielders do not get as much defensive war as infielders because it's based on your positional value. And center field, although... Valuable is not as valuable as positions like shortstop and catcher. So typically catcher and shortstop is who lead the all-time list. Being tw- But that does make it more impressive. 
If you look at Andrew Jones, he's 22nd all-time among all major league players for defensive war. But find, to find the next primary outfielder, you have to drop all the way down to 61st place on that list to Paul Blair in his 18.8 defensive war. So, he's the best defensive out, outfielder in terms of defensive war all-time, and it's not even close. If you look at all, every player on that list... He's 22nd, and the next best outfielder is 61st. Like stated earlier, Andrew Jones had 12 years with the Braves out of his 17 seasons. Overall, he had a career wins above replacement of 62.7, but of those 12 years with the Braves, he accrued 61 of those wins above replacement. And what's interesting, too, is that, remember I just mentioned his defensive war, if he would have retired after those 12 years he would have acquired 26.6 defensive war so while he was with the Braves if he would have retired you know five years earlier he would have been even higher on the all-time list defensively so with his time with the Braves he had a 61 war and 26.6 of that was defensive war in only 12 seasons he was on pace to be one of the best players of all time if he wouldn't have dropped off so hard it was really, really fun to watch him play. He was obviously playing when I was a kid, and everybody loved watching that guy play. It was a lot of fun. He earned Nationally Player of the Month twice in 2005, and he won the weekly award four different times, once in 2002, twice in 2005, and once in 2006. And, of course, I wanted to mention that he did, outside of in 2005, outside of the Major League Player of the Year, he did win the National League Hank Aaron Award, which means you're the best offensive player. So again, that's not MVP, but it is does say something to how well he did that year. I also want to talk about his Hall of Fame voting. He has been on the ballot for six years, and as you know, you can only be on the ballot for ten, so he's got four more chances, but he's been increasing his, his votes every single year. He started off with a 7.3 to barely stay on the ballot in 2018, and it's all the way up to a 58.1%. You need a 75% to be in. He's got four more years to do it. He's been increasing drastically every year, trending towards making the Hall of Fame. Writers are starting to realize how important defense is, and it's a, a beautiful thing. And now finally, of course, we have reigning National League Rookie of the Year, who also garnered MVP votes that year, by the way, and Michael Harris II, playing for the current center fielder for the Braves. We're hoping for good things for him. In 114 games in 2022, he had an OPS plus of 133, and he had an excellent season back then. We knew that he was outperforming some of his metrics, so it was going to be hard for him to replicate his 5.3 wins above replacement season last year, and it's looking like it's not going to happen. He's currently at 2.8 wins above replacement this season. He started off really slow, but that's okay. He still has already, up to this point, 8.0 wins above replacement in only 237 games. Will he be as good as Andrew Jones was? We don't know. But he has been playing excellent. He's got great defense. He's got well above average offense. And so it's been fun to watch. He already has 1.6 defensive war. Of course, that's not Andrew Jones level, but it's still very, very good. 
Harris is on pace for about 11.8 defensive war in those 12 years that Andrew Jones would have played for the Atlanta Braves. The same amount of games, that is, anyways. 11.8 is still excellent. Uh, the Atlanta Braves definitely need his outfield prowess, considering although Ronald Cunha has a cannon for an arm, his jump time is not that great. But uh, it's going to be awesome because Michael Harris is under contract for a very, very long time. In fact, his contract does not end if the team wants to keep him through the 2031 and 32 seasons because there's team options. At a minimum, he would be on the Braves through 2030. That's it for the Braves' rich history of center field. If you have someone else you want to talk about, let me know. I want to hear your thoughts on the rich history of center field for the Atlanta Braves. I did not mention every single center fielder. That would have taken hours and hours and hours, but they're the ones that stuck out to me, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks so much for joining in again. Don't forget to tell your friends to find this podcast. They can go to the Braves Country Cooking podcast feed to find this and the Chatting Average podcast. It's been a lot of fun working with them. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. As always, you can find the show on Twitter at BravesDugoutPod or my personal Twitter at Sports. I guess it's not Twitter anymore. I guess it's X, but whatever. We have a Facebook page, Facebook group. I will talk to you on that group and that page. I love it. You can email the show at bravesdugout at gmail.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe and share with all your friends. The Braves just clinched the division after I recorded this, so I'm super pumped about that, and I hope that you are too. That's six in a row in one of the most dominant seasons in Braves history. And with that, as always, go Braves.